Welcome to the Escapist Corner. This is a podcast where we talk about lifestyle, sport, and entrepreneurship. We hope this can give you some inspiration to your daily life and also make you some good ideas um, based on where you are in your life. We're going to talk to uh, successful businessmen, coaches, sportsmen, athletes, doctors, what have you. Uh, please feel free to uh, look at our homepage, escapistcorner.com. There you find the, the links to Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Good. Now it's official. Now it's official. Okay. It's on the record, so watch out. So <laughs> welcome back to the Escapist Corner. We, uh, uh, we are here with uh, Adrian Bosman. It's me, Richard. It's uh, Gerardo. Uh, and uh, Arrest is behind the camera for you watching the YouTubes. Um, yeah, we are in Berlin sitting in a hotel. And uh, we are about to have the regionals coming to Berlin this weekend. Um, for the guys at CrossFit, I guess it's already started uh, a while ago, <laughs> and the preparations and so on. But yeah, they're, uh, they're year-round at this point. But it, <laughs> yeah, that's a stop. Yeah, but um, before we uh, go into the topic of CrossFit, let's um, uh, go through the, the <laughs> life of Adrian Bossman. Um, oh man, we we. I've done some of my homework, but um, maybe you have like a, a elevator pitch. Sure. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, you, how far back you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was uh, born in Canada, um, moved to San Francisco when I was about 20 years old, uh, and I've uh, been in the Bay Area in California, around the San Francisco area ever since. Um, that was in 2003 that I moved there. I was doing some personal training. Um, managed to fall in with the CrossFit guys at the original Santa Cruz box and uh, do my level one there. Uh, started working at San Francisco CrossFit in 2006. Um, started working with HQ in the late part of 2007 and uh, been just kind of immersed in CrossFit ever since. Okay, so you've been 12 years at CrossFit right now. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Getting close. Yeah. What was your background before starting CrossFit? Uh, Sports-wise? Not much. Not I, much. you know, Growing up, I did a lot of activities. My brother and I, um, we did a lot of outdoor activities, you know, hiking and mountain biking, skiing, things like that. Typical Canadian guy. Yeah, exactly. Didn't, didn't play a lot of team sports. But like um, ice hockey, where... where I know, right? That's why they kicked me out, is I didn't play hockey. Yeah. That's usually my catch line with, with any Canadian. It's like, right, yeah. uh, I played ice hockey. Okay, now, yeah. now we have something... <laughs> Um, no, but uh, you never got into ice hockey. Is it because of the where you grew up in the town, or I mean, a little bit. I I just wasn't really as a kid. I wasn't into organized sports very much. Yeah, I did some gymnastics. Um, yeah, actually, that's probably the the sport that I stuck with the most when I was a kid. I uh, did that for a number of years, uh, but organized like team sports didn't really. Yeah. Grab me as much. I don't. I don't know why, um, but it just wasn't what I was interested in back then. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, did you study anything? I did. I briefly I studied music in university for a few years, and uh, quickly got to the point where that wasn't uh, a smart move for me. <laughs> I was not not at a position that I would have been um, good enough to to really pursue what I wanted to pursue with that. So. So you had some kind of passion into music before starting that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, all yeah. through. Uh, high school um, I played 
played the trombone. Oh. Uh, wanted to be a symphony player. That okay. was the, the end goal. Um, so, I, you know, I played in the school band. I played in a lot of extracurricular bands. I had community bands, things like that. So I did a lot of that growing up. Yeah. Um, I was expecting you to say I was playing like a death metal. <laughs> well, then on the side, I played in uh, some punk bands. Um, but yeah, those. <laughs> trom- trombone. Kind of get through Instagram quite a, a view of your. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. And that doesn't go look very classical music. It's, well, it's all over the map, you know. <laughs> and it's uh, that was actually probably one of the things that I enjoyed about music school the most was we had some really cool classes about music appreciation and. I feel like that's always been something that stuck with me. So I'm very open to almost any genre, and you know, I'd like to yeah. explore a lot of that. <coughs> so uh, I guess you got some kind of um, ear also for music because of that, like the appreciation of understanding how the composition of a mm-hmm. song is and so on. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, filtered through the years. My theoretical knowledge is not as good as it used to be, but. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I know I, I played a lot of music too um, growing up, uh, mostly punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, never l- really learned uh, theoretical stuff, but yeah. uh, definitely that has brought me to something of like when I listen to music, mm-hmm. I just hear all the elements that they turn together. If yep. It's uh, different uh, tonalities or whatever yeah. and like mm, this is interesting and parts and so on but um, so wait getting back to Martin you know Martin played in Discanto for a long time right do you know them the, the Swedish punk rock band uh, Discanto mm-hmm. uh, no I, I didn't know that band no. yeah. check him out check him out He's <laughs> like, I mean geez I don't know when they started but they're like in the 90s I think um, so yeah check them out yeah the 90s had uh, some Rough, rougher bands yeah. in, in Sweden. Yeah. I think my Swedish background music is ABBA and that stuff. So that's, that's all I got. Uh, after, uh, after, after yeah, after the, ABBA? I, I, well, Corrado Quar- 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 listens to the sounds every day in the box, so I, I that's guess. That's true. Sounds uh, a pretty good by There's a Chilean in the band, by the way. Yeah. In so ABBA? Is it, is it, no, <laughs> in the sounds. It's always a Chilean, oh, okay, always okay. A Chilean involved. That's a kind of a <laughs> catchphrase with for Chileans. It's awesome. always a Chilean involved. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh, so from CrossFit training everything, how become, I mean, 12 years, long period, are you still uh, yeah. doing seminar stuff? Are you still writing classes, uh, writing seminars? Yeah, so uh, actually as of this year, so January, uh, stepped away, not stepped away, I, I'm less involved in the seminars than I used to be. You know, it used to be almost every weekend, constant travel, and I did that for a long time, which is great. I mean, I got to see so many places and meet so many people that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but this year, my responsibilities have shifted a little bit. Um, we're starting to. We want to expand our online course offerings, and we need some people to manage that. So I've been taking on some of that responsibility, which means less time on the road. Um, so a little bit different. It's kind of a new thing for 2018. Um, yeah. It's nice to be home for stretches of time. That's not something I'm used to. So still uh, getting used to that a little bit. But it's been great. Yeah, I, I guess you get into more like a nomadic mode. Yeah. Where you constantly travel I mean for many people it sounds cool and mm-hmm. lucrative to be on the road and like see many places but I guess uh, of course you see a lot of um, it's a bit different when you're in a CrossFit but for many businesses it's usually yeah you see a lot of different hotel rooms yeah no, that's very true and you know you definitely do get to experience things uh, that you wouldn't normally which is great but 
you know, when it is constant like that, there's not a lot of free time to spend in the places that you might want to spend some more time. And yeah. it is a lot of hotel room, gym, back home. Yeah. So, uh, it's a routine like that would be, I would just, I just read the spill book. Yeah. And he says, okay, every Friday is airport Friday. Yep. Travel <laughs> yeah, and Sunday is back. Monday is exactly back it. into work. Because yep. work doesn't stop. Monday to Friday, so right. you just have to be working out the whole week. So exactly, like seven day a week. So I'm, I'm getting used to having weekends, which is weird. I'll, you know, I'll, my wife and I will be out for lunch or something. I'm like, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> oh, it's Saturday. <laughs> That's, That's what people do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of an adjustment, but it's been good. Uh, do you have any like uh, special memory from uh, any of these uh, seminars? Oh man, I mean, so many. It's uh, <laughs> what's the weirdest place you've been? The weirdest place I've been. Uh, or the one place you say, wow, I'm, I'm teaching CrossFit here. You know, I, the first time that I actually traveled internationally to teach CrossFit, I thought was pretty mind-blowing. Uh, one of the first ones that I did outside of the United States was in uh, Basel in Switzerland. Yeah. And uh, it was probably 2010, maybe, maybe at, something uh, like that. At um, Ramon's place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was before he's in the spot that he is now. Yeah. Uh, it was this... He had he rented out a space that we could do the seminar at. It was like a town hall, because his gym at the time he had a business partner that I don't think they're uh, partners anymore. Yeah. But they had this underground area. It was like in a warehouse that you go underground and then through three different back channels, and you finally found the little spot that they had dug out. It wasn't really appropriate for seminars, but uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I mean, I just remember being in Switzerland and thinking, wow, this is this is my job, you know, yeah. um, when I started doing seminars at that time, there was no official intern program or, you know, really, uh, kind of regimented way to, to come up on the staff. It was, you got asked to help out and you yeah. showed up a bunch and, you know, you just pitched in where you could. And eventually they told me they were going to pay me to, to be a part of it. And I was like, Oh, great. You know, okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so to flash forward to being in another country and talking to people about CrossFit, if you would have asked me at the time when I first started, where do you see this going? I, I would have had yeah. no idea, you know? Yeah. So that was a pretty cool experience. Um, do, doing that in a park in San Francisco. And yeah, going to yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that gym in San Francisco was pretty bare bones, you know, yeah. it was very low key at the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You were uh, you were working for Kelly mm -hmm. uh, yep. at 2006, you said. Yep. So it was uh, must have been really the almost first first days of uh, having his affiliate there. Yeah, I think yeah. he opened in November of 2005. Yeah. And I think it was April of t I think it was April 2006 that I joined him. And yeah. uh, funny story about that. He and I. Uh, didn't know each other at the time. Uh, a friend of mine who I did my level one with, uh, who's also in San Francisco, Sean, um, he told me that a guy was opening a, you know, a box in San Francisco. And I was like, oh, that's great, you know. Um, so we managed to go up one time together and met Kelly, and, you know, it was great. And uh, we continued to exchange some emails, Kelly and I. It was and email that time? Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, it's cute. It's still there. We had the we had like a a, a wire cup, you know, yeah. sent it across. But uh, no, he sent me an email almost out of the blue that said, "Hey, I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks." Um, he runs every year. I think he still does it. It's a, a rafting camp for kids with cancer, 
they do as a charity. And so they take them out and they take them on the river and go camping and, you know, it's really cool. Anyway, he had to leave for that and he didn't have anybody to replace him at the time. He didn't know anybody else in the city that was really doing CrossFit. Um, I had just done my level one. And so he asked me, hey, I mean, I know I don't know you that well, but can you take over for a few weeks? And I said, yeah, of course. And so I, I didn't burn the place down. So <laughs> when, when he came back, yeah, when he came back, he said, hey, I, you know, I, I, he was still in school at the time. He had just had his first daughter, so he's very busy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said he didn't have the time to expand the program like he'd like to. And he, maybe I could come and help him out. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So that's how we And you were doing uh, some PTing and stuff yep. at the time also. Yeah, I was working at a regular Globo gym yeah. uh, just as a personal trainer. And yeah, yeah so it was perfect because at that time I was right on the cusp of overstaying my welcome at the gym that I was training at. They were just about to tell me, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that stuff here. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, Making a lot of noise. What are you exactly, doing? yeah. <laughs> so it worked out great. That's good. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know you started a program, uh, the flexibility program, right? Yeah, I, uh, I st- uh, created a lot of the content for that. And yeah. um, one of our uh, really great staff members, Ray Regno, uh, has been leading those. Um, you know, like I said, I've been off the road a little bit. So he's taken over the responsibility of teaching those in person. And he's wonderful. So yeah. if you get the chance, go see him. He's doing the weightlifting tour, right? That's right. Yeah, he does. He's in CrossFit Del Mar, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he, uh, exactly. He's down there a lot. Um, he had an affiliate. I think it was CrossFit Stronghold. Uh, and I think just recently he's sold that, I think. But uh, yeah, so he's he's based in the Southern California area. Yeah. So um, this leads to a bit to the question: uh, Did you ever got into those thoughts that you should also open up an affiliate? And uh, that's a great question. Do the bossman. Uh, you know, at some point, I yeah, like where I live now. My wife and I we bought a house in 2014, and uh, we have a garage and I have a great garage gym now. I have a couple of people that come over a couple times a week and yeah. they train and, you know, it's really great. And I would like to affiliate my garage and have a low-key yeah. thing going on. But, um, you know, at, if you go way back, before I met Kelly, my goal was actually to open a CrossFit gym in a little town called Berkeley. Yeah. And then I met Kelly and plans changed. Made more sense at the time to, to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got involved with CrossFit HQ and, you know, got really busy with that and... It's yeah. always been in the back of my mind that it would be really cool to have a facility, but I, I wouldn't be able to do it the way that I'd want to do it yeah. with all the other things I have going on at, at the moment. So I mean, with the travel, it's kind of yeah. hard, if you're, especially if you're involved also with uh, the whole structure that's been growing right. in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah. games started in 2007, mm-hmm. and nowadays it's a global event yep. that goes, uh, as you were saying before, like year-round. So we have yeah. the open, you have the regionals. We're traveling how many because of the games only how many oh yeah i mean on days you travel around? absolutely so you know throughout the open season it's five weeks on the road pretty much constant and then it's a month for regionals and then the games a few weeks you know so all said it's two and a half months out of the year just for games and that's on the road you know the planning that goes in behind that is obviously a lot more um so yeah at, at, at some point i would love to get back to small time affiliate you know yeah. maybe nothing as serious as as like a full-scale gym, but mm. it would be great to, to have that. And uh, that makes me think of that you have so much insight into so many boxes. And 
obviously into, you've seen, you heard a lot of questions and so on uh, from box owners, from people that want to start CrossFit and so on. Uh, what would you, uh, what kind of knowledge would you take, try to take and do a bit different uh, if you would do, or if you would make it like a suggestion to anyone who is yeah. trying to open up or or is actually affiliate since a couple of years and and you see like, hey, why is not everyone just doing this? Right. You know, I was talking to Olaf last night at the, the gym we were at, yeah. um, and he was saying that, you know, his gym really focuses on longevity and taking the time to, you know, teach people foundational movements and then build up from there. And I think that's really great, you know. And he, mm -hmm. it sounded like his community was less interested in competition or a high-level, you know, CrossFit fitness, uh, you well, know, as a competitive the sport. Top of the yeah, exactly. And we had this conversation where I think sometimes people feel that whatever it is that they're doing is the way that everybody should be expressing CrossFit. And, and I disagree with that a little bit. I think that it's great that in 2018 there's so much going on that you can find your flavor, so to speak. Mm. I think that's great. You know, if you're 21 years old and all you want to do is just be the biggest, baddest, you know, fittest guy, mm. you can find a gym where competition and high-level athletics is the focus, and that's great. If you're somebody who's maybe a working professional and you just want to be fit and healthy for your family and for your longevity, you can find that too. And I think, to me, what that suggests is that there's room for everybody, yeah. no matter what your take is on it. And, and that I think the most important thing for an affiliate owner is to just pay attention. Pay attention to your members. What, what is it that they want out of your facility out of your staff out of your gym and if you can be in tune with that you can you can do some really great things i think it's hard to in my opinion it's really hard to come up with this codified list of what you should and shouldn't do you know obviously yeah. there's some things that they're going to be a bad idea no matter what but mm. for the most part i think the better approach is to just make sure that you are always paying attention to the people that are coming in the gym and and supporting what they need and and that may change over time you know yeah. um, the yeah. biggest mistake i see people make is they just stop paying attention to their members and yeah. then problems ensue yeah because you know? see I mean, even big boxes i mean average size of boxes i don't know how i don't have an idea of average size but probably 200 300 let's say 450 members yeah. you can meet all these people you know their families yep. you know where they work you know so it's a community still. It's a small base group. Yeah. You don't have 5,000 members, mm -hmm. and which is like global gym completely. I have no idea who this guy is. Right. So if you, the moment you just lost that familiar contact, the guy says, hey, I'm just one guy here, and my life doesn't really matter to these guys. I just go take my, my business to some other place. Yeah. Has to be, I think, one of the things that people value, besides the coaching. The coaching is, is good and everything, but it's the sense of being part of something. Yep. Happens a lot here in Berlin for us that people are, most of the people are from abroad. So mm -hmm. we're not from here. And people looking for something to, the family looking for a group and something to belong to. Yep. And if you just lost that, if you just lost that contract, if you can create that thing, that, that um, bond, yeah, you yeah. have something way better than the fitness and whatever yep. comes with it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's why you see the longevity of it. You know, you have people that 
in the United States, there's established gyms now. They've been around for 10, 11, 12 years, and, and uh, you'll have members that have been at that gym for the duration of their existence, and why does that happen? You know, you don't see too many people that have that kind of longevity at their local regular gym, you know, and I think the, that's exactly right, is that community is it's huge, you know. Your friends are there, you've, you've got this built-in accountability and fun factor and all of that, you know. It's interesting. It uh, uh, makes me think of also what kind of, because this, this is more like a, almost like a sports club that is uh, getting yep. created. So um, what kind of other businesses are there that actually could translate into this or could also have this kind of model and um, use this kind of, I mean, community is one thing, but... Um, First of all, people are there for, for the fitness mm -hmm. and and so on. But I think um, for people that are into some kind of entrepreneurial uh, exploration right now, I think it would be interesting to look at other markets where, hey, hmm, where can I actually build a small community, not uh, you know this big, huge startup focusing on right. the big numbers, but really, okay, how can I create something small like a club of something that has this kind of value and obviously if you can combine that with some kind of CrossFit and I, I, I listen a lot to uh, what um, yeah, Chris Cooper says in uh, two, uh, two Brain Business um, and uh, yeah I mean he's a lot into now mixing the startup scene and entrepreneurs into CrossFit and I think he opened up like a coffee shop oh cool Yeah. at his gym or yep. like uh, above his gym or something like that like a co-working space so he can attract the old they like because I, I guess it's not a big town where he comes from so mm -hmm. uh, like all the startups or people that are some kind of independent they create a hub for things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like kind of a bringing all the people together you have this mentality of just doing stuff yep. and you know I've, I've seen that a few times now I think uh, actually just recently in the CrossFit Journal there was a a piece about a guy, uh, I'm, I'm going to forget, but it was somewhere in the southern United States. He's running for local government. <laughs> it, might not, it might not even be local, but anyway, yeah. he, he bought a building in the town that he lives in. You know, it's not a nice building when they bought it, but they fixed it up, and now it's great space for them to train. And they're starting to do exactly that. They want to put a restaurant in, in the same complex. They have a, a shared workspace that they're working on. Um, And I know that uh, in Arizona, uh, Peter Egged, or Egged, I don't know how to pronounce his last <laughs> name, but uh, who, he's been around a long time, great athlete, great coach, yeah. and they uh, have plans. They, I think they just got approved from the city to build this huge complex with a uh, shopping market, local foods, you know, all of that. Uh, and I think his gym, a few years ago, they bought land, and they started to basically create like a food co-op um, where they grow their own food and the members get discounts on it and things like that. So yeah. you're definitely starting to see that power of the community be har harnessed and expressed in other things. And I think something that's pretty cool. Having, yeah, exactly. Some, uh, business, this business model that can, can create like a co-working space, the coffee mm -hmm. shop and the uh, community farm or, or place to grow food. It's also growing in this one place in Belgium I read mm -hmm. about a couple of weeks ago and there's also one in, if I'm not mistaken, in Denmark. Okay. Which is cool. building this uh, like all factory transform into co-working spaces uh, with a CrossFit gym, with some um, restaurant uh, stuff like that. 
So definitely, it's like you're pulling all these people together. Just yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of comes in. Uh, also, comes back to that. Uh, I mean, CrossFit has taken now the direction into uh, forging elite health, mm. right? Uh, and if you want to create that basis, yeah. Well, I mean, the base of the pyramid is the nutrition, mm -hmm. and uh, I also saw um, there was a journal. Uh, about that also in, in the CrossFit Journal um, and uh, how many gyms just start from the top and sure. instead yeah. of at the base and um, but yeah you have you can give people nutrition facts and you can try to educate them and you can try to be you know a hub of good influence but at the same time what happens is that if you live somewhere and you know it's like 10 miles to the the store where you could buy mm -hmm. the more healthy options, uh, you're just simply not going to start to do that. Mm. But if you have that in the same facility, or uh, yep. or you can somehow as a box get that those um, uh, foods or whatever to your box, so the members can actually pick it up there, would uh, is also. Uh, uh, quite a good option, I guess. Uh, yeah. Especially for those guys that are somewhere in the smaller cities and sure. rural areas. But yeah. Um, what, what's your thought about this um, transition to into the health? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. It's uh, you know it's interesting because I don't think I almost see it as it's not really a transition because I don't. I don't think it's really changed anything. You know what I mean? Like it's just the communication. Or yeah, or I guess what the forward-facing uh, element is, yeah. because I think anybody that's been around the CrossFit gym for any length of time, you know, you you'll obviously have the people that are interested in competitive CrossFit, and that's what they want to do, and that's what they're excited about, and that's great. But that's not the majority of the members anywhere, you know. The, yeah, it's not even close. And and I think anybody who's been around a CrossFit gym for more than a day recognizes that right away. You know, this is more benefit for the regular person. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have more to gain. They've got more to um, experience from that. And that, the high-level guys are great. It's nice to have some of those to, to, to show that this is what you can do if you choose to go, you know, all in, so to speak. But... It's not, um, I don't think it was ever the intent that that was it, you yeah. know. Uh, so I, I really don't see it as so much of a shift of anything other than the cosmetic focus of yeah. what people see initially, you know. Uh, we see that, I mean, we see the ch this change, you can see it in the, the for example, email of the day. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Day. You see, yeah. like, from every today, I think, from every three stories, three are nutrition-wise, mm -hmm. right? So my view, my question to you is, how do you see the CrossFit Games? What's the purpose of now that yeah. fulfills the CrossFit Games to do this new, it's not new, we know it's not sure, new, sure. but this new uh, health, yep. nutrition part of it. What's, your, what's the purpose, what's the focus of the CrossFit Games? I, how I how, think how does it help into that communication? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. I think it's, um, I think it's just highlighting the pinnacle, you know, in the same way that uh, you could have, we'll go back to a music analogy, right? Yeah. I can have a very... Very healthy local music scene where I've got local artists and they're all doing great. They have gigs and people come out and see them and it's, you know, it's really supported. But then I still have the Led Zeppelins and I have the, you know, whoever's at the top of that uh, that can tour around and, and be the showcase that 
yeah, maybe there is an outlet for that as well. Um, it's kind of a clunky analogy, but you know. I was, <laughs> I was, I was hoping for uh, uh, you saying that no, it's, it's going to transition to an eating contest. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's coming. But <laughs> hey, we don't know the events of the games yet. You know, it could still it could still slide in there. But uh, no, I, I think the games is still um, beans and deadlifts. Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> danger. We'll, sit, we'll hand out like a splash guard to the people in the front <laughs> row. <laughs> but, uh, Judge from the front only. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the games suit the same purposes they always have. You know, it's a highlight and a, uh, the spectacle of what is the high limit, the, the utmost potential. But <clears throat> I don't think that that necessarily sets the tone for what has to happen. And and I, hopefully that is what people begin to take away. Is like, hey, look that. One percent of one percent. It's an amazing thing what they can do. Everybody else that falls in behind that, you know, there's still some pretty incredible things that come out of that, and uh, you know, the game's just the spectacle. That's, yeah. yeah, I think it's good. It's good to have it, as, even as unrealistic as it is for sure. probably 99 percent of the population. Yeah, it's like, oh, dude, I would love to go one day there. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I'm 37. So yeah, it's impossible. I understand that. Oh, come but on, anyway, next but, year. But, next but, year's yeah, year. Next year. <laughs> come on, 40s. <laughs> but you see people that come, people that don't know really much about CrossFit because at the beginning, I think um, a lot of people that started CrossFit just research everything. They sure. know yeah. every name, yeah. every story. Oh, and they read every book and stuff. But now it's like getting more mainstream and they just, oh, I don't know who these guys are. And mm. it's just, I'm doing CrossFit and they see this. Yeah, Paul, okay, the games is this thing. Uh, this is like the pinnacle. Oh, I can, but you can, I mean, people get to the cup box and they see a coach and say, but you, you do, you go compete in regionals. <laughs> <laughs> you have no yeah, idea. Sure, you have no idea. Please go with me on the weekend and you <laughs> totally, will see. Yeah. So this shock is like, whoa, this thing is, yeah. but that's, yeah, that tiny percent of the population that can do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 99, once again, 99.9% of yeah. the people is eating good, longevity, yep. longevity, that's a one kind word. Longevity, you longevity. got it, you got yeah. it. Yeah, longevity, that is <laughs> yeah, but it's, I think it's, yeah, it's a marketing, no? right. a lot of it. Uh, yeah, to some degree, I think so. Um, I mean, it's a goal, right? Yes, yes 100%. Yeah, uh, I had another thought on that, now it's gone, but uh, maybe it'll come back. Um, but, uh, were you a, a, a ever attempting or thinking like, I'm going to try it next year. Oh, no way. I'm, no, I'm, no <laughs> I, I've never been fit enough. Like, I, I'm very competitive. Yeah. Uh, like, you ask anybody who works out with me or is friends with me, like, I'm a very competitive person. It's just <laughs> in my nature. I don't know why. But uh, I don't kid myself into thinking that I have the discipline or the drive to do what those guys do. And I've never really been interested in that. Uh, nor do I think I have the ability. So... You know, I like to, like, the Open is one of my favorite times of year because yeah. I can compete on my level with my friends, yeah. and, you know. How much I preparation goes into that? The Open? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I train well, all year for well, it. Well, <laughs> Row against boss, I mean. The, the, oh, that, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you have, like, a preseason for that? Like, okay, Great I'm, question. I'm really good with that. You know, it's funny because when it started out, it was so casual yeah. that we didn't. And now, it's not that it's like a really regimented thing but definitely as like Christmas time is coming around and I start thinking about oh the open's around the corner it's like okay I'm going to start eating a little better I'm going to start going to bed a little earlier you know I, I, <laughs> I saw some transition there I think it was was it uh, last year or two years ago there was, I think it was a clear uh, like difference in performance in the row you know boss. I, it's funny because we I think this is the eighth season that we've done it. And I think we have 
four victories apiece at this point. <laughs> so, you know, there's been some years where Rory has just come out and destroyed me. There's been some years that I've come out and done pretty well against him. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of up and down. And we've both been through some things, uh, you know, in our in our lives that hindered training or helped training or whatever. And, and you know, so it's kind of interesting to see over the years that it, it is still pretty even, even though sometimes on the day of it doesn't look so even. Puts in the workout. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, came, he came hard this year. Oh, right? man, he was so fit this year. It was great. <laughs> I mean, I, I got hurt, which sucked, but uh, I think he would have had me. I, I really do. He, uh, the first event, you know, the first two, I was pretty convinced I would, I would take him, and he crushed me, so... There you go. How, how uh, what happened uh, uh, actually for you? Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, it was weird. I was in my garage, my home gym, and I was squatting. It was early in the morning, uh, and I was stepping out of the rack with a back squat, yeah. and I just hyperextended my spine. It was like a really weird thing. I wasn't even squatting with the weight. I was just walking it out, and uh, you know, I seized up. Um, the whole thing dropped the weight, couldn't stand up, you know, all the classic kind of back injury stuff. And oh, so okay. I was pretty worried about it. It wasn't getting better after the first few days, so that worried me a little bit. So I went in and got some x-rays. And uh, uh, long and the short of it was there was no permanent damage. You know, there was no damage to the bones or the discs or anything, which oh. is great. Um, so the doctor suspects that I just sprained a few ligaments uh, around the uh, L1 vertebra. Oh, yeah. Um, which is great. There's nothing permanent. Uh, he said, you know, four to six weeks, he should probably be fine. Um, yeah. And then once the muscle spasm started to die down a little bit, it was pretty good. But It's in interesting how, how the body works, how yeah. it, like, protects you. Ah. If something even small happens, it's kind of, especially yep. around the spine, boop. Yeah. You only get one, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No, but it was just bad timing, you know. I, I was happy in the sense that it wasn't anything serious. Yeah. You know, I've never really had to deal with a lot of injury. Um, I've been training hard for a long time, never really had any issues, which is great. Um, so on the one hand, it was great that it was nothing serious. It's just bad timing to be in the middle of the open. But, hey, I've got how many more years left, you know? So yeah. 30, 40? Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I, was, uh, I was wondering before that, because um, we always see the athletes and how they train and how they prepare for the regionals or open or even the games. How is the judge preparation for this event like this? Oh, because, great question. Because it really matters your or your other judges. Yeah. Uh, they can really, really change sure. the results of yep. the, the way it goes. How did it go with the preparation for that? Well, I, I can't speak to, you know, the people that we have on site on the floor uh, that come through the regionals. Most of them have been here for years now, which is great. We see a lot of faces coming back. Um, I don't know how they personally prepare, but... You know, speaking for myself and the team of head judges that go around, we start as early as we can. Once Dave has the events basically locked in, then we try to talk to him about, you know, if there's anything specific he wants for the year or for that particular competition. And then we just start talking through it as many times as possible before the event starts. So we'll get on a call once a week for weeks leading up. And we'll go through the script. We'll try to poke holes in it. We'll try to come up with questions that the athletes might have in anticipation of the event. 
Hmm. And then we'll, we'll revise it and we'll come back the next week and go through it again and do that again and again and again until we get to a point where everybody's comfortable with the events and we feel like we can run it with a minimum of confusion or questions or issue, you know. Um, but I'll tell you, it's, it's funny because every year, no matter how many times we rehearse, no matter how prepared we feel, as soon as you throw a body of athletes at it, mm-hmm. you know, it's always a little different in, in performance than it is in practice. Did um, you have many surprises during the regionals or the games where athletes are like doing something? That is once not really in a while, yeah, yeah, once in a while it happens. Uh, yeah. yeah, once in a while, for the most part, especially nowadays, you know, like most of the movements we have are pretty standard. People, yeah. they know what to expect, you yeah. know. It's like they know what a wall ball looks like. You don't really have to explain it, you know. Yeah. Um, for some of the oddball things, like, you know, handstand walking or something like that, it's still newer. Yeah. So sometimes you get some things that are a little out of the ordinary, but for the most part, people know what's expected, you know. Uh, c- could you uh, disclose uh, the background behind, for example, that the handstand push-up thing? Because that, that's been obviously yeah. a big theme. Um uh, we are always uh, obviously we have a couple of athletes out there that are uh, pretty pretty uh, sad. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but yeah, it's what, like me. What, anytime a heavy lift comes up, I'm yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah. No, but what uh, what what's the how was the discussion leading up to like changing the changing standard? The standard? Yeah. I mean, first there was a standard, and then you changed it, and then yep. you changed it again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have my theories and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Well, you know, really, it just starts as a conversation. Yeah. So uh, the year previous, we had the tape line and the box. Yeah. And we started thinking about it. And we thought, well, it's a little redundant to have both. Yeah. You know, if you have a tape line, you shouldn't need the box. So let's think about getting rid of that. And we weren't really happy with the the initial tape line we like the concept but in practice it yeah. still seemed too variable from individual to individual so we thought if if there was another way that we could standardize that and so we started a conversation with about seven or eight of uh, us uh, us being HQ staff and experienced uh, head judges in the in yeah. the games and man we probably tested I don't know, seven or eight different methods uh, yeah. of measurement. We even had one that was really, it was really clever actually. It was like you, you get to the top of the deadlift and measure the distance between the deadlift uh, bar height and the ground, and then you triangulate that with your height, and that gives you a number. And yeah. you know, we had all sorts of uh, things that we were looking at, and the the one that was most accurate for most people was the one that we ended up with. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we, we, we did our best to measure a variety of different body types. We tried to go for as many tall athletes, short athletes, long arm athletes, short arm athletes, tall guys with long arms, tall guys with short arms uh, that we could find. Um, and for most of the time, that was the one that was accurate. And we understood going in, you know, you have a competition with half a million people. There's going to be some outliers where it's yeah. tough to cover everybody. But that was the best solution that we could come up with. Um, and so, you know, we, for any of that stuff, the, the goal is never to exclude anybody or to, to create a standard that's so unattainable that no, it no. doesn't work with the competition, you know. Um, and so I was a little disappointed, actually, in, in the response of some people. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of people, the majority of people, I would say, took to it really well. And they're like, oh, this is more challenging. For most people, it was, yeah. right? And they were like, wow, this is more challenging. It made me go a little slower. But you know what? 
that's the nature of the game, and that's part of what we're here for is to be challenged. And, and they, they went with it and took it gracefully, and that was yeah. great, you know. Uh, but there were some people that I found it really unfortunate that they, they wanted to immediately jump to the opposite conclusion and say, oh, this excludes me, I can't do this, HQ is unfair. And they, you know, for the most part, mm. didn't try to contact us with the diligence proving that they couldn't do it because yeah. we're not going to be unreasonable. You know, no. if, you, if you anatomically cannot meet the standard, well, we yeah. want to know about no that. Yeah, exactly. Well, no. <laughs> but, you know, if you, if you can send me a picture of, hey, here's my measurement, here's me up against the wall, look, yeah. I'm clearly... Yeah. You know, not able to meet the standard, well, we're going to work with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what happened most of the time, which yeah. unfortunately leads you to speculate about, well, why wouldn't somebody do that? You know, yeah. if, if they legitimately could not meet the standard, why wouldn't they just document that and send it to us? Yeah. So. I mean, uh, from my point of view, I've seen a lot of athletes um, doing uh, the handstands and so on, and you really start to see. Um, like yeah, it's a new standard, right? So it's it's uh, whatever you decide it might be. Uh, in that sense, that okay, uh, before it, you had some more slack, especially mm -hmm. if you look <laughs> if you if you look at. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, I think it's kind of it's fair in that sense that okay, now even short athlete had to work a bit harder mm -hmm. on the on the, yep. on the handstand push-ups, um, but. Um, yeah, you can really see how it translates. If you don't take care of some stuff during your training, like, um, and you neglect to yep. actually fix your flexibility, if it's th that's a problem or a mobility, and uh, well, let me I, let yeah. me take it one step further. I think that for movement like the handstand push-up, you have so many people train it in a way that is the path of least resistance. Yeah. And then when they're forced to do something more difficult, they're caught off guard. And I think that's a backwards way to approach your training. If I was yeah. a competitive athlete, I would purposely exactly try to find ways to make it more difficult so that yeah. if the standard became easier than that, well, hey, great, then I'm, I'm ahead I think of the game. It was because of this work on this standard, there was uh, one discussion, I was reading, uh, the guy said, hey, I have a, I don't know, two-minute Diane. Mm -hmm. And I cannot finish one round of handstand push-ups, so the standard is wrong. Yeah. And the guy will play, no, your Diane is wrong. Right. And so it's the other <laughs> yeah. way around. Uh, well, fix, yeah, fix exactly. But you, yeah, I mean, you see it. You see so many people. They're like, oh, I can do 30 unbroken handstand push-ups, and it's yeah. it's this, you know. <laughs> okay, well, that's true. Maybe you can, but what happens when you're forced into, you know, hands are narrow? deficit all of these things and i think the best you see that you see they they do try to challenge yeah. that end of it even if it's a difficult movement they're looking for ways to make it more challenging you know not less challenging and that i think is the real separator but still, but still even in competition this is for a judge i think it's very mm -hmm. hard when you're competing i think i heard from ben bergeron so, and it's, it makes it totally makes sense when you're practicing you try to make things accordingly you have a sure. movement pattern and yeah. but when you're competing you're going to try to cut yeah, every yeah, corner yeah. possible yeah. in the sure. way just for a judge how hard is it because you can just think about okay probably like i say wall ball is easy uh yeah let's say the muscle up i don't know yep yeah if, how how my feet are going to go so mm -hmm. my turn is better if i'm going to more push up or more dip yeah. So do you? Of course, you. I think you. you realize. Okay, this my guy. This guy is my 
try to work out here, but sometimes is it possible that some or has it happened that one guy says, "Oh, what the is it that a rep or no rep?" Kind of oh, absolutely. It's, it's the of it, it's yeah, like, Whoa. For sure, but and you know, I think that's interesting because that's part of the nature of sport. Sometimes yeah. a conversation comes up where people. Uh, they, they ask, you know, will you ever get to a point where you automate the judges? It's just yeah. all done by, you know, some specialized equipment or video or whatever. Frankly, I, I hope that that doesn't happen because I think it would be the equivalent to taking a, any, you know, a referee out of any other sport. I think mm. it's going to start to erode what is compelling about that sport, and that's the human element, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always put that back on the athletes as well, that I understand in a competitive environment, I understand maybe better than most in a competitive environment, that they're going to start to mm-hmm. get as close to that standard as possible for the sake of efficiency. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But at the point that you get really close to that line, you have to understand that now you are forcing it to become a judgment call. Mm-hmm. And the judgment call of that person is always going to be somewhat variable. Yeah. Um, you know, you try to get as uniform a playing field as you can, but you can't eliminate the differences completely. It's so fast also, right? Yeah, yeah. and so you, uh, part of that conversation that uh, that athlete has to have with themselves is, okay, if I'm going to try to not get away with something, but be as close to the standard while still being within the, the realm of fairness, the closer I get to that line, the more I am, I am putting it in the hands of my judge. Yeah. So is that trade-off worth it to me? You know, right. is that faster in has, the long run? Yeah, it hasn't happened in every sport, I guess. I'm going to try my judge and see yep. how it goes. And if it, but there has to be this adaptability to say, okay, it's no, okay, then it's no, then exactly. go back to my yep. previous thing. And, and again, you see the best competitors can react to that, mm-hmm. and they will be fine. Like, I, you know, I always used to use Rich Froning as, as kind of the standard, um, which is easy to do on a number of levels because he's, you know, so good. But... I remember distinctly judging Rich at uh, one of the open announcements. Uh, I think it was 2015, maybe. The burpees? And yeah, the thruster burpee in San Francisco, where we had uh, the, the women and the men going at the same time. Uh, yeah, you remember yeah. that one? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was judging Rich, and I can remember where he was so in tune with me that I would just look at an area of his body, like I'd look up at his elbow, and his next one he would lock out more. <laughs> than the one previous. You know, I'd start looking at his hip for depth and he would sink the next one a little bit deeper. And, uh, you know, that's how in tune with what was going on he was. And if I did call him on a rep, there was no argument, there was no hesitation on his part. He'd just do another one. And the best are the ones that can just accept that and move forward. Um, Instead of putting energy into... Exactly. Discussion, right? Yeah. When you are on the floor... What are you looking at directly? Are you looking for judges? Are you looking at athletes? Uh, you're talking about my role specifically? Yeah, my so, role yeah specifically. So, so my role specifically at the regionals level is more managerial. So there's always, at this point, we have three head judges on the floor at once. And our job is to oversee that, number one, the uh, competitive flow is happening the way it's supposed to. Athletes are in the right place at the right time. Um, and then that there's uniformity amongst the judging crew. So, you know, we don't have mm-hmm. one person in one lane that's insanely strict and somebody on the other end of the field that's a little bit more lenient, you know, I'd rather it all be strict or it all be lenient as mm-hmm. long as it's uniform because we're trying to create the most fair, competitive atmosphere that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our job really is just to consistently keep our eyes on the, the, the bulk of the judges to make sure that that uniformity exists. Um, so where am I looking? Well, I'm overseeing the floor. We have two other judges that have specific lanes that they're looking at. Uh, and then we're in constant communication with the judges that are in each lane 
as to whether or not, you know, okay, that's strict enough, that's not strict enough, you know. And then we'll, we'll talk to people post-event as well. Like, hey, you know, those squats, you let those couple go, they should have been a little deeper. Or, you know, that guy was looking pretty good. You didn't need to call those, so et cetera, have, et cetera. Judges have right away feedback and say, exactly. okay. Exactly. Okay, yeah. as, as much as we possibly can, we try to keep that communication. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, how do you, like, when you get into uh, situations now, because the games are getting more and more competitive. Yep. It's real, and not only competitive, but it's uh, people really train for that now because there's a really sure. you it's can a career. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's a, a full time job. Yeah, yeah. 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 so and you, it's about sponsorships. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. about obviously the games also. But yep. Um, so if you go to the games or not, means yeah. a lot of sponsorship oh, deals yeah. and yeah. stuff. And uh, how do you handle that kind of pressure? Uh, That's a good question. Player. You know, I, it's funny because I don't, it's not that I don't feel a lot of pressure. I mean, there's ultimately a lot of responsibility that, that, I'm, you yeah. know, it's undeniable, but, um, at the same time, it's like, I, I think that those of us that are involved, we understand that because we're on the other end of it. Like I, I can remember getting into, uh, wasn't an argument necessarily, but it was a passionate exchange, we'll say, <laughs> with an athlete who was not happy with a call. And it happens from time to time, and mm -hmm. I understand that. And his point to me was like, Boz, you don't understand. You know, I've worked all year for this. And, you know, and, and my response to him was, him was, you don't understand. I've worked for 10 years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to try to make this a fair yeah. competitive event, you know? So the flip side of the statement that the athletes uh it's a full-time job and that they're all yeah. invested in doing this so are we we have full-time yeah. staff and, and that's what we do too so yeah. um yes the pressure is absolutely there but i, I feel that do you take cold showers and stuff like I, well yeah but not for that reason that's, <laughs> that's unrelated yeah. yeah um i cry myself to sleep every once in a while but that, no it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of pressure it's it's a lot of responsibility but yeah. it's it's not as if the people that are in the positions of leadership just arrived there by chance. They've all been there because they've been involved in the games for a long time, because yeah. they've been part of the events. Um, they have the experience to, to handle those types of situations, you know, and hmm. it's not to say that they're always handled perfectly. And it's not to say that we have all the answers all the time for every situation, but at the end of the day, like we're committed to making sure that the competition is as fair as we can possibly make it. Yeah. And, uh, and that's always going to be the commitment from us, you know. So regardless of the situation you find yourself in, just taking the time to make sure that the resolution is fair for everybody, is that's something we're always going to try to do, you know. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any, um, um, like, do you have any, um, how do you say, in German it's Vorbild. Uh, do you have any? <laughs> <laughs> Not on me. I don't have any on me at the moment. No, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I left no, them at home. You're asking me about German. Do you have any um, people you look up to? Uh, or did examples. Examples or uh, like oh, wow. a role model that you're... I mean, I guess the short answer is yes, but in what context? Like, what do you mean? Uh, well, in general, do you, who do you look up to? Like in a... Um, uh, I, I don't know, morally or if it's sportsly... Okay. Uh, uh, you know, I, I guess I have a lot of inspiration from the people around me. I think that um, the people that we get to work with in CrossFit HQ and CrossFit Games, um, 
every single one of them has aspects of their personality that I think are so admirable. And, uh, I, you know, I just feel lucky to, to get to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I draw a lot of inspiration from the hard work that people are willing to put in to make these events great. And, and I guess to piggyback on the, uh, the comment of, you know, the athletes working hard to make the, uh, the games and all of that, it's like the volunteers and the people that are willing to support these events on the local level, on the international level, um, I get a lot of inspiration from that. You know? uh, so, I mean, I could go down the list and talk to you about more people that are more in the spotlight and it's kind of cliche, but well, I idolize so-and-so because of X, Y, and Z. But, but personally, I get a lot more out of the volunteer that shows up at six in the morning and is there until eight o'clock at night and doesn't complain about you know having to work a long day, and they're always willing to to do whatever is needed to make sure the event is running smoothly. Like that, that's huge. You know, I get a lot more out of that uh, than I do from uh, you know particular individual. I would say. And um, so we we go away from people we meet or so. But uh, do you have any uh, books or oh, something like that that really pivoted you into something? that you don't think you would go to? Oh, geez. Um, not off the top of my head. I like to read a lot. Uh, but I don't have anything... You don't have that, like, super, one book that... No, I don't. And, you know, frankly, I, I'm a little... I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of a disagreeable person when it comes down to it. I'm polite, I'm nice, but, like, <laughs> I, I'm disagreeable from time to time. And I, I, I have a hard time believing, maybe this is just my own yeah. personal problem here, but uh, if somebody says, oh, this is the book, yeah. I'm immediately skeptical of that because <laughs> I think that life is complex and rich enough that you can't leave it to a single source in most cases. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. somebody's going to say like the Bible or something. Okay, well, maybe because it's so, you know, it's been mm-hmm. around for thousands of years and there's some depth to it. Okay, I get it. But you know, somebody wants to talk to me about this business book that they just read and it's like their number one book. I'm like, I'm a little skeptical, you know, so I, I don't, I don't have a, a single book. I'd have to think about that really hard before I threw out a recommendation. Yeah. You know? Last book you, you read? Uh, the last book that I read, I just, What are you reading at the moment? Uh, I'm reading a book, uh, on Norse mythology right now by Neil Gaiman, which is really fun. Um, I am finishing a book called The Hacking of the American Mind by um, Robert Lustig, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've read recently. I read a biography on uh, Teddy Roosevelt. It's pretty good. (laughs) That's not a specific topic, but just go around. No, yeah. Books that you think, okay, this might be interesting to read. Absolutely. I think that life is rich, you know, and I think that uh, people should be open to expose themselves to many aspects of it. So uh, I guess the best time to read is when you travel? Definitely, yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of the, like, hidden pleasures of plane rides for me is, uh, you know, They can be tedious and a little... Yeah, but it's like you're locked in a space. There's not much else to do. So it's like, okay, there's no other thing for me to be doing right now. Something just came to mind. How often do you look for books that totally oppose your views? Uh, Or or magazines or something like that? From time to time. I I think that's important, too. I I think increasingly people... 
I don't know what the word is. It's like they choose their own adventure, and their own adventure is only... Well, Facebook chooses for you. That's exactly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, yeah. Like. That's what, what I mean. It's you. like it's, it's all self-selected yeah. to the point where you're just so insular. So I do think that's important. Um, I don't know if I do the best job of seeking things out outside my perspective, but I do... I love to argue. Yeah. <laughs> I love to... Uh, you're a judge, come on. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, I love, I, love, I love to debate, uh, you know, just sitting around talking to people about things. So I, mm. I would like to think that I... I do seek out alternative opinions to the ones that I currently hold. And, and I do think that's really important. You know, I think it's, uh, I think it's, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I guess I've, I've read mostly health books okay. yeah. or diet books or something like that, nutrition, uh, science, whatever. And, and when you start to look at science reports and mm. stuff like that, <coughs> uh, you start to get confused. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember the law, what's it, Matthew's law or something like that, where uh, it's probably totally wrong law. That's like, don't jump on the street while traffic, no, but uh, that the more you know, the less you confident you feel. Uh, yeah, there's like an inverse relationship yeah. there, right? It's like when, you, when you're ignorant and... and <coughs> You know, uninformed, you're just you're so confident. <laughs> you have to run marathons. That's the thing. You need to run. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. learning to, oh, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> but is it good for run? Yeah. Well, and that's it's the thing I think discussion. that's so interesting about um, science and specifically uh, like health sciences and exercise science is that number one, they're always behind the curve of what the people on the front line are doing yeah. by nature of you know, the time it takes to conduct a study and all of this. It's, it, the, the process is never, let's run the study, and then based on that study, let's do yeah. what the study suggests. It's opposite of that. You have yeah. somebody who's seen great result, they have a group of people that is experiencing something favorable, and then somebody says, we should find out why, and they try to extract, you know, what that reason is. So it's, it's the method that almost always comes first, not the science, and that's what people forget, right? Um, I mean, within sports now, CrossFit yeah. has been in constant battle sure, yeah. with sports science, for right. example. Well, and then the second piece of that, which I think is easy to lose sight of, is that most studies are not broad enough to really draw broad conclusions from. And so you get a really niche study that says, okay, when we take... 100 athletes and we subject, subject them to this, mm -hmm. something happened. This is that thing that happened. Ergo, everybody should be doing what yeah. we did. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're jumping mm -hmm. too many conclusions based on the study. It, it, they're very specific. And yes. many times they're not even testing humans. So we exactly. know this. We know yeah. uh, whatever... Uh, yeah, sugar is bad. Right. We can know sugar is bad. We cannot conduct that study in humans. Sure, yeah. It lasts for 40 years and we right. see the effects of it. We have to just go as... Yep. Tiny more, and we can just expand our knowledge on many things. Yeah. Um, no, it's, 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 it's exactly right. It, it's so specific, but people want to take that specificity and extract something general from it, and that's where you start to lose right. the applicability. I think uh, something, going back to Lustig, Robert Lustig, is mm. that something he uh, at least uh, has done. I mean, he, he's a medical doctor and everything, and he, he understands a lot how the body works and so but. Uh, yeah, he he can't do the experiment by himself. So right. he, what he has been doing is been looking at, okay, what has the consumption pattern mm -hmm. been the last no, forty see. years, and then like, yeah, okay, there's a lot of smoke here, and uh, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He, yeah. He, uh, he, that's kind of the epidemiology. Uh, uh, yeah, Tom has also said in one of the, the case against sugar, if it's 
uh, for example, he says that we don't know exactly the cause of it because we cannot find we cannot fund or run. Yeah, ex- nobody's the, interested the, in doing it. it. Yeah, but in every experiment, every study that goes, there's a smoking gun and sugar mm-hmm. has it, but we yep. don't know. And sugar is present yep. in the scene, so we don't know. Like, we don't well, know if this guy. But yeah, and you know, it's funny getting back to your point about you know challenging your own personal beliefs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's something that I always thought was interesting about diet specifically was that, you know, you could, you could cite a study that could justify almost anything in your diet, you know, and that's unfortunate. But what I always thought was more compelling and a, a way better way to start structuring diet specifically, but you could do the same thing with training, is to find the things that everybody unanimously agrees on, you know. Yeah. And so nobody is going to disagree that generally speaking intaking more vegetables is going to be a negative you know nobody's yes. going to nobody's going to argue with that and so okay if if everybody on the whole dietary spectrum is going to agree on that maybe you should consider it maybe yeah. that's good. <laughs> it's the same thing it's like uh, like fish oil is another one yeah. that uh, i think i forget who it was that famously said like there's no pathology on earth that fish oil will will uh have a negative impact on you know mm-hmm. I, I forget somebody there's a quote about that and it's like okay well if if everything out there can be positively impacted there's no there's nobody that can can it's slight this impact. well hey maybe it's worth pursuing you know yeah uh, no I um, I mean I, I, I agree I uh, we obviously we we try to help people in and mm-hmm. pivot them into uh, good decisions and we also try to do our best to find resources for that but yeah, yeah. Uh, as Ferdo said let's also try to read the things that uh, speaks against it and sure. many times it's uh, just uh, it's very hard to find anything that is even good sure. that speaks yeah. against it so um, but in a in general basis we know exactly what you were saying Adrian vegetables are good exercise is good right. so just <laughs> yeah. stick to those whatever, well, you, want, and, and whatever you, know, you put in over that yeah, okay. honestly I feel that that is really the role of the coach is to buffer the average person from all of this chaos and all yeah. of these conflicting messages into something that they can take home and actually implement and, and I really think that that is the skill set because at the heart, being healthy and fit is not complicated. It's really not. You can make it as complicated as you want. You can add as many layers to it as, as you need. But at the end of the day, it is not a complex process. And, and that was always, to me, mm. the most powerful thing and the most appealing thing about CrossFit was like, hey, if you have a little bit of space and the willingness to work hard, you can make a dramatic impact on your health and well-being. And I think it's easy to lose sight of that under the guise of, well, I'm staying current with the science or I'm, I'm yeah. staying current with the most popular methods currently. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe you are, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't over-complexify the basic foundational building blocks yeah, exactly. because they're not hard to grasp. You, know? you can go really geeky, but sure. in the basic level, it's yep. super simple. Yep, and, and again, that coach, you know, if you have this, the whole stratosphere of everything that's going on and then you have the, the person down here who has a job, responsibilities, family, they might not be as interested in deciphering all of this chaos. There needs to be an intermediary and that's where the coach is. You know, the coach says, hey, I filtered all of this information for you. Here's what you need to do. And it's easy. You know? yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, do you miss Canada? I, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. <laughs> I actually just got my uh, United States citizenship Oh, really? In August of uh, 2017, has been a long process. Um, because you got married, or 
No, I, uh, I mean, I've been married forever. I got married yeah. in 2004. Um, but uh, just <laughs> you have to hold a permanent residency yeah. for a long time. And then, you know, it's X number of years until you're eligible. So it's just taken a long time. Yeah. Um, and I'm really proud of that. Like, I'm, I'm very proud to be a, an American citizen. Um, yeah. I, I love Canada, too. It's a great country. Uh, I still have a lot of family that lives there. My brother lives there. My mom lives there. I have a lot of aunts and uncles that live there. Yeah. Um, beautiful country, you know. Uh, so I do definitely miss certain aspects of it, but the uh, yeah. United States is, is home for me. Yeah. So. Can you hold both passports? Yes, or? yeah. So I've got both at this point. What's the biggest difference between Canada and the U.S., you would say? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, the United States is humongous. Yeah. Um, you know, landmass-wise, Canada is bigger, uh, obviously, but... Um, you know, you're Better talking about hockey. a, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> hockey culture, that's the difference. Uh, no, you know, the U.S. is such a big country with so many people and so many people from such diverse backgrounds yeah. that I think it's really cool to get that kind of mix of cultures and, and, uh, and people. And um, Canada certainly is a diverse place as well, but it, it, it seems a little bit more homogenous to me now that I've lived yeah. in the United States a little bit longer. Um, so that's a little bit different. Um, I don't know. Culturally, there are a lot of similarities. Uh, Canadians don't like to admit that, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's definitely a lot of similarities there. And, yeah. and I think that the two, the two countries are pretty culturally close, you yeah. know, which is good. It's no, no, uh, I say surprise. Uh, when you watch that, like, okay, mostly the same language. Yeah. Mo mostly everyone watched the same shows. Sure. News. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, you're always going to find things. regionally specific things. Yeah. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I think that's why, you know, it's been the longest, the largest undefended border for, uh, you know, a long time now. And that's part of the reason is. I would, you know, yeah. I would like to uh, know your opinion. I, mean, I yeah. once read about um, Canada could have have uh, the American technology, hmm. French cuisine, and the British culture. <laughs> That's got, a really interesting statement. And they got the British cuisine, the French technology, and the American culture. <laughs> <laughs> What's your stand on that? I'd have to think about that a little bit. That's funny, though. Um, yeah. British cuisine, yeah, that's probably true. French technology, I don't know how much, uh, I don't know much about French technology, so I can't speak to that. And uh, American culture, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Everything could have gone so well for them. It's just like one Rubik's cube flip away, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, uh, great. Um, I don't know, we, um, I don't know how it's with you time-wise, but... Um, well, I should, yeah, actually, I should probably... Uh, uh, I hate to cut it short. Yeah, one thing. Which yeah. band are you looking, really looking forward for the weekend? Oh, man, I think that the first day for the individuals is great. Like, I, I think taken as a whole, it's, yeah. it's a really excellent test because it's so polar opposite. Yeah. Um, you know, the first event might not be mo the most spectator-friendly, but, uh, but it's going to be... Probably why it's first day. Exactly. You know? That's exactly why we put it first. We're like, eh. <laughs> we know it's not going to be the most exciting event, but it's a great test. So, yeah. you know. But yeah, the first day, I think the combination is, that's exciting for me. Um, and I'm really curious to see how the teams do with the handstand walk. I, I know most of the individuals, they're such high level that I don't mm. see too many issues with that. But, you know, the teams, there's still some variability. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they navigate the, the handstand walk obstacle. Yeah, so, uh, so. exactly. That, that's actually a good thing because now the teams are smaller. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. 
it's a bit easier in that sense for the teams now to find less right. weakest links. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was actually the whole goal behind that was to try to, yeah. you know, yeah. create a competitive level that's a little bit more even. even yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, thanks, Adrian. Um, oh, my you, pleasure. You 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 post. Uh, one workout almost every day, right? <laughs> On your Instagram. I've, I've been trying to follow the main site. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would say 90% of the time I'll do the CrossFit.com workout. Yeah. And then I'll use Beyond the Whiteboard to uh, record that. And then I'll just put that up on Instagram um, with whatever I happen to be listening to during that workout at the <laughs> time. <laughs> so. Okay, cool. Yeah. A lot of trombone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try to minimize that. As a <laughs> not, not during the workout, you know. That's after. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Um, and uh, good luck during the weekend. Thank you, guys. Uh, hopefully we see each other uh, on the floor. Yeah, not I on love the that. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me.